Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Saturday Friends Club. Or French Club, depending, <laughs> on, depending on who you are. <laughs> Our Russian friends, you know. I tried to make sure that the auto-generated name was, you know, as accurate as pro- possible. Well, we, we are French clubs, so <laughs> here at Saturday Friends Club. <laughs> yeah, so we have enjoyed uh, uh, a bit of wine, a bit of cheese, a bit of meat. Yes, we have. We've all got the burpees. We've all we're all monsters we, right now. Yeah, it's terrible. No, uh, so I'm Josh. That's Eric. Yep, yep. Uh, Martin's over there. Hola. Sabrina is nibbling. Hola. <laughs> well, the, you know what? Very accurate. This is a very multicultural episode because it's ten ten. Well, oh, I mean, like it's like one fl- one flavor of white for another. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, this uh, is our this is our like episode where we go very. European. This is exceptionally European. I, yes. I've, well, we'll get into it, but I have many questions about Tintin because yeah. it's it's a character that's like been iconic and around for a super long time. But then again, for American taste, completely like who the hell is this? I think like I, I'd categorize this with asterisk. Like that's a character that like you either know about him, you're like what, or you're like oh yeah, yeah I've seen that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, we were going to talk about since 1010 was uh, into a lot of things. By the way, I should uh, preface this. Uh, we did another canceled pre-show. Uh, we don't talk about that one. Well, it's going to be on our Patreon, where you can hear about what uh, the, the thing that Sabrina was holding. And scoops. Uh, you might hear us eat for a while. Um, <laughs> it's real bad. It's real, it's real, real good. I mean, it's, it's quality content. Quality. If you really want to spend fifteen minutes with us, do it being complete awful people. While I'm, I made them food and they talked about, hey, you give enough money to the Patreon, you come here, you get to eat with us in person. I have not set that reward level yet. Or no, 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 we could do a mukbang. A what? A what? what? Where we stream ourselves eating and then we can converse with oh. people as we're eating. It's that Korean. It's that yeah. Korean thing. Oh, mukbang. God, what is I it mean, with these Koreans and streaming? Utterly mundane daily activities, but, but the, people watch it. That's the thing, and they uh, eat okay. a ridiculous amount okay. of food. I too. would say the same about watching people play video games on YouTube and then like with their face there on their commentary. But then Sabrina does it on her YouTube channel, McBirdie. <laughs> it's one of the things I do. I, yes. No, I think it's more like having the person's face there. I, that 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 kind of throws me off. It makes sense if you're playing a horror game, though. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 no, I, I, I did discover this. It's like between you and another friend of mine who does that, does those like once in a while. Is that if I don't know the person, it's like this is really irritating. But since I knew you, like all your videos are fine. Yay! It's, I, it's, it's a weird thing for me. But I'm just like, who's this fucking asshole? And then it's like, oh, that's Sabrina. Okay. So if you want to see this, wow. uh, this asshole, I also like watching Sabrina. I like watching you suffer through Monkey Island. That was very entertaining. But I don't have, I didn't have video for Monkey Island. No, I mean, like, no, you didn't have the. I mean, like your your like exasperation. Oh, I was about to say I didn't do face cam for uh, Monkey Island. No, that but, one was very much just my voice. But she did suffer through it. It was fun, good times. I figured it out. Okay, you did. I you beat Monkey Island. Now you have to do Monkey Island too. Yeah, it was so good. <laughs> She's better. giving me a real bad. Look. Even better than the first one. Anyway. Uh, so we were going to do, since 1010 is the thing, uh, I wanted to bring up the idea of childhood adventures. Uh, and uh, I, I mean less no. less like the the stuff where you and your family went out and stuff, but just like the ways as a kid that you did like stupid adventuring on your own. So like one thing I know that I did, I had a bike and I would just ride for hours and hours. Alabama. Well, yeah, I was in, like, suburb of Birmingham, Alabama. Hello, Bessemer. Uh, known for uh, Bo Jackson uh, because of the McCullough High School that was there that he grew- he started at. Uh, and coal mining. So, oh, the Bur- two imports of that area. Oh, imports, okay. Yeah. Uh, very well known for steel, I guess. Bessemer steel. And... Church bombings, you know. <laughs> no, that was that was Birmingham. Different. Um, but, you know, it was just one of these things where I would just ride my bike for hours. And I, would, I actually found that there was a way to sneak into the local YMCA on the day that it was closed on Sundays. So I could just ride my bike around, like, the empty track and onto the, oh. all the fields and, you know, just be ridiculous and ride my bike everywhere. I, I, I feel like I combed, like, the entire area... 
within like five miles of my house, just biking goddamn everywhere. I never had anything really like that. When I was like a little kid, I remember having like my big wheel and like I'd like cruise around on that. But I think like it, the closest to adventuring I remember doing was my grandparents' house was up in the mountains. Uh, and so they had a big like, forest backyard. And I remember like traipsing all over the place uh, in various stages of armament. And uh, and yeah. Wait, armament? Yeah, BB guns. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, but no, so I, I, definitely, I definitely traipsed around the forest and would like scare deer and there was like there was like a fort out there in the woods which was cool that was like half constructed and it was like i think it was built for my cousins like many years prior so i just remember going out there and it's like every time i visited it was just a little bit more dilapidated and i think last like the last visit we had before they sold the house it like it had been almost completely buried by the forest and it was like you could kind of see where it was and the logs had kind of like the way but no i like i don't think i really adventured much around in my area because it's terribly suburban I recalled something kind of similar, both in Alabama and in Georgia, where just the kids would have stolen, like, bits and pieces from construction sites and, like, build these sheds out in the middle of, the like, the forest. <laughs> I built a shed. Well, they do. They would do that. Like, they would make their own little tree houses or they would make their own little, like, habitats out there. And that was the best place to find pornography. I mean, really. See, okay, I've heard that as a trope, the, like, the forest, like, pornography. And I feel like I missed out because I never even grew up near a forest. It was definitely there. It wasn't very good. No, I can't the, imagine. The, because it was just like, it was always like three and four pages that had fallen out of a magazine that got overly damp, and you're just like, oh man, that's a booby. And then that's about it. <laughs> it's a waterlogged booby. Yeah. <laughs> it's waiting gold. You have to like handle the pages super delicately, yeah. otherwise they'll fall Wearing apart. Wearing white gloves and tweezers, <laughs> just like, yeah. slowly unearthing a titty. <laughs> So um, I'd say that for me personally, there wasn't much, too much adventuring because my parents were a bit of helicopter parents. So they uh, <laughs> so he go out there in a clearing like yeah I'm in the forest and like helicopters yeah pretty much. Well, how, how many siblings did you have? I had two siblings. You, and were you the oldest or the youngest? I was the middle child. You were the wow, and they were still helicopter on you. Yeah, they were helicopter on all of us. Wow, that's surprising because I was the middle kid, but middle of five. And my <laughs> parents after a while was just like I got twins, I got two older kids. Whatever, get on your bike and go. <laughs> Yeah, no. Are they, you dead? Cool. Go. Yeah, no. They were very much all over us. Um, kind of, we kind of became their lives, or they lived uh, vicariously through us in a lot of ways. But more or less, the adventuring that I had done was more of going to places and seeing people that I uh, that were on uh, that were outside of the purview of my parents' immediate. Uh, observation mechanisms i'd say uh so there was one time where i was going through this catholic revival phase um and i uh ended up signing up for this um for this convention basically of young catholics out in anaheim california and so um wow imagine if you would have kept on that path you would have been in orange county right now i know so (laughs) i went to this to this convention of young catholics and just hung out with a bunch of people and uh Essentially, kind of romped around the 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 downtown of uh, of Anaheim, um, unsupervised with a bunch of other young, uh, robust Catholics, and had a, uh, I had a uh, had a very uh, very uh, odd time trying to uh, <laughs> spread God's word to um, to some of the homeless people in the area. So it was. I'm sure a, they appreciated that. Oh, they definitely did. So it was a uh, it was a bit of a. Uh, you know, a figured a formative time. Hey, kids, you ever seen a gunshot wound? <laughs> <laughs> but um, the one thing that was most memorable memorable about that whole trip was um, uh, was going to the Subway restaurant. And uh, <laughs> oh boy! All right, I'm ready for this. Oh <laughs> man, edge of my seat. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you're building it up. Going to the Subway restaurant with uh, three people that I had met at the convention. And we just went through this whole revival thing. And then we just met this uh, this cashier who just seemed to be really down on her day. And we just like, oh, man. oh, don't feel that way. You know, God's embrace will be with you. <sighs> you know, he's there for you. And then we started reciting all of these lines on the Bible. And I would have thrown jalapenos in your face. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, we just offered, she gave her a Bible and said, you know, here's our group. Come and join our group, everything. And it was... Yeah, it was different. And also, I was trying to impress the girl that I had a crush on. There. Okay, then that's the reason. That's, uh, yeah, that is un- that is not godly and uh, and right thinking. Uh, no, absolutely. I had a perverse incentive. <laughs> See, I I would say like if I, if I 
if I would have been me as my cynical ass right now and been in that situation, I would have like jumped past the Catholic into straight Pentecostal and, <laughs> and then just been like, oh, thank you. You're right. Like, oh, is... shit. Speaking in tongues. Crap. Crap. We've got to pull her back. Pull her back. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Too bad I never ended up working out, but still. Oh, well. A man too, can dream. Forever alone. <laughs> forever. Forever alone. Oh, Imagine no. what had happened if you would have just become that Orange County Catholic you were meant to be. Yeah, the the weird thing that ended up happening was that I, I started going regularly to church gatherings. And my parents said, so are you going to become a priest? Does this mean you're gay? What? <laughs> Wait, that's that's together? Those are two things? <laughs> yeah, it was apparently some kind of logical logical jump that they made um, in, in, in seeing all of my uh, activity, and then they just bundled in all were, of the, uh, the sex scandals. Were they were... gay? No, were they Catholic? Well, well, I'm going, like, if the idea is like, is he Catholic? Is he a priest? Is he gay? It's like, are they gay? Who's gay? <laughs> oh, no! Everybody's gay! What is erotic? I don't know. <laughs> 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 so so yeah we'll end on that note sabrina adventure um yeah well same kind of same as um roger like i mostly was like in suburban settings so the only time i really did a lot of an- adventuring was when i was visiting my grandparents because they live in rural western pennsylvania um at least at least at, when I was younger, like, I believe 25% of the people that lived on the road I was related to. And right next door to my grandparents' places, they had a good-sized property with a forest on a ridge in the back. Cool. And then right next door was my great-aunt's property, which she wasn't... Um, she never lived in at the times that I was there. Um, so I had full run of both my grandparents' property and my Aunt Ruby's property, oh, plus back onto the ridge. And then once I made friends with some of the kids, um, I would actually, there's a creek that runs in the back. So one of the, the fun things I would do is I would sometimes traverse the creek and just I would walk from my grandparents' property to my friend's property back to like an uncle's property because the cr- the creek, I almost said crook. Yeah. <laughs> it's a crick. It's a yeah. It's I, I a, could actually I could actually tell that that was happening. Can you go down, like, you go down the hill, turn right over the creek. It's so easy to go back to it just because that's how they talk back there. But yeah, so um, so yeah, the the creek actually ran through almost all the people on that road's property on that side of the road. So I could literally traverse from, um, actually I tried going down, but down was harder cause there were more like briars and stuff, but I could go all the way up to, um, my, one of my uncle's properties cause his oh. property was probably the farthest back until the Creek turned and made a, um, and made its way down a different part of the, of the, of the ridge. So I never got that far, but I've pretty much walked that creek for a really long time just for fun, which is actually feels pretty adventurous when you're a little kid. I mean, it's a little especially, creek, but especially our generation. Yeah. So yeah. See, I'm, do you also do the thing where like, you build a bridge over the creek and they're like, I'm a god? Well, no, but sometimes I would sit at the creek and I would look at rocks and I would just spend my days catching crawfish or salamanders (laughs) um sometimes i would try to catch the water skeeters that were there but they weren't as fun to catch um and uh sometimes my grandpa would actually go and take me and we would just walk in the woods and so he would show me like oh here's how you look for deer and sometimes we would go walking and just try and find deer which was always fun because it's like, oh, there's some deer over there, and sometimes you like come across them, and you don't know they're there, and you scare them, so they wa- they run away. I, um, I I remember being tasked with the job of keeping the deer out of my grandparents' flower beds. Oh my god, no! So we had like a little BB gun that was like you'd put like one pump on it, uh-huh. and so if the deer got too close, you'd just fire, and it would it would just bounce off, but they would scared and run off. Oh no, I was. <laughs> BB guns were never a thing I was allowed to have. Um, my grandfather, my grandfather had lots of guns, and sometimes he would go and if my grandma was getting particularly pissed at a squirrel because it was just being too mean to the birds because she has bird feeders everywhere in the back. 
Um, it's go so, time. Yeah, so sometimes my grandpa would go out there and shoot a squirrel if it was being a menace. But other see, than that, no. See, the only thing I have equivalent <laughs> to that is the fact I went to my super redneck uh, relatives who lived in like... I like that I, your, your family's like, oh, we're going to go there. They're, they're like rednecks. Well, I mean, like, Birmingham is actually like the second largest city yeah, yeah. in Alabama. Like, it's... Or the first largest. I mean, it's, it's relatively big. Like, these are people that live out in like lake country nowhere Alabama. Like, we're Booty. talking... West Alabama. The boonies. Yeah, like it's... It, or East by, Alabama. They live actually. up by Swamp Creek Road, down where the old barn was to be. And one of the things that, like, it, it, I think it was one of the last times I was like, you know what, I'm not going to come here anymore. I'm kind of done with this. Uh, though I do kind of want to go back a little bit for cinema, but whatever. Um, was... I. I saw they got upset because we were watching Austin Powers on the TV and they thought it was too filthy, (laughs) which I'm like, okay, whatever, I guess that's fine. You guys are weird. But then they gave one of the kids a BB gun and I'm just like 30 minutes, something dies. I guarantee you in 30 minutes, something is dead. 20 minutes later. Joe shot a squirrel. I'm like, God, God. <laughs> see, these people. See, they these actually, people are just monsters. See, my they gra- can't not just, just just so humans are the best. Let me show my power. See, my grandparents <laughs> laid that because, like, off of their back, like, the same in the forest. Like, you go on their back patio, and there's a big like, like kind of a hillside, and they just set up like you know a couple dozen different targets, so you could just walk out the door and you had a, you had a BB gun range. Mm-hmm. Great. See, I, I could uh, like I I did want a BB gun growing up, and I recalled like friends shooting like the the stop signs and everything, and you would see every stop sign had like tiny little like BB gun pelts on it. Right. But it never felt like something like ah, I don't necessarily actually need that. I need a big wheel. Wee. <laughs> I need the big foot, big wheel, whatever those like machines were that were like tiny cars that would drive oh, me around pedal cars not the pedal ones but the ones that actually had the battery that oh, would yeah, yeah. oh yeah yeah i had one of those i forget i forget the name of those but i needed one of those it was important very it was it was a um culmination of your childhood to have one of those it was an adventure it was an adventurous childhood much well he, it's not his childhood no, Even though he may look like a child, we're making we're making a very big leap here. Yes, either yeah. way, no well, matter how much you want to try to massage it. Well, I'm massaging it because he does kind of look like a baby. Yeah, but he's yeah, not yeah. a baby. He's not oh, a baby. No. He's a he's, this guy's a man. <laughs> he's, he's a, a man. man, especially by the uh, the rule thirty four out there. He's <laughs> definitely a man. Oh, lovely. <laughs> uh, we're talking about ten ten. It's uh, Eric's choice just this made week. Me sad. No. <laughs> <laughs> Trust yes. me, everything we've I, talked I, about I, so I, far yeah, is... Yeah, I know, I know. Everything, yeah. even Vanilla Ice. Oh, I, right? oh I'm sure he made it himself. <laughs> <laughs> he made his own Rule 34. Yo, um, this is going to be all... Uh, with, with Juggalos. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know why we're laughing, so that's, that's fine. Find me. I, um, anyway. I, I, too many cacks to be had. The Adventures of Tintin, the 1990-something version. Uh, 90s version of a of a 1991 comic. to 92 of a, but an adaptation of a comic that started in 1922. So yep, yep. Uh, shall we go ahead and get into this? Let's do it, do it. All right, let me hit this button. A bold score, sir. Loving it. Uh, where'd you find it? Like this is like an orchestral version. Well, yeah. I mean, it's the one that I saw in all the intros. It is, but like this is like a remastered or something. Oh, it sounded quite nice. It's very, very nice. Yes. I have to mm-hmm. said it's very, very bold for a, a cartoon just to be like, here you go, here you go, kids. <laughs> Enjoy your orchestra. Yeah. Hey, man. Hey, Tintin. Don't, don't be dissing the orchestra. No, I think it, I, I think it's unique. It's it's it's. I certainly everything during the '90s during this time would have been just like guitar riffs. Oh yeah, Tin Tin, going saving the day. It's Tin Tin. Well, hey, I mean, I'm glad Americans did not make this way. That was more like Broadway musical kind of intro. Well, here also like this also another reason why it's good. Americans like didn't get to design this show because like 
Tintin's various adventures. I'm sure someone's like, oh no, we can't put that in the kids' show. At that boy, that boy's got a gun. He knows how to fly planes, and <laughs> I just don't right, know. He, he's driving a tank. Oh lordy! He, he grab he, he shoots down a mosquito, but she's like, he just grabs an assault. Just give me that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he just straight up grabs a gun. Yeah, like, oh no, Tintin is, if nothing... No like, lasers at all. A homicidal maniac. <laughs> all right, and Eric. his dog. <laughs> Eric, why, what is Tintin and why do you like it? All right, uh, Tintin. It's a character, it's a series of comic books. I, we had this discussion... You brought a billion books! I brought the whole series, including the one that doesn't exist. Because and, they're racist and... Well, oh, <laughs> oh, oh. all right, yeah, uh, so... No, Tintin, uh, Tintin is a series of comic books by the Belgian artist, and oh my god, this is the, this is the worst. This is how American I am. Like I've never heard his name pronounced. Herge, Herge, Herge. Herge. He is Belgian, I believe French Belgian. One of uh, well, yeah. Send an email to us if you know the if correct are, spelling. If you are mega European, you've probably heard of <laughs> Tintin. So. I am the most European. Let me inform you. This is American podcasters. They do not know how to say her. They vote for Trump, but we will also have a Nazi for president. Only wait, we shall vote for Sarkozy again. So, yes, Tintin is a character that has appeared in these comic books, and I think they originally serialized. Um, but he's a he's an interesting character, and he's supposed to be this like adventurous boy reporter that works for uh, I think I think it changes his newspaper once in a while. But I think he ostensibly worked originally for the paper that they published the comic in, and he's this like a, a report like an investigative reporter who goes around just like solving mysteries. It's him. He's real young, as Josh has commented. It's like, him and his dog Snowy, and. Uh, they eventually kind of pick up a, a crew of weirdos that he hangs out with, and they just kind of go around and solve like mysteries and these situations. Um, and yeah, and it's it was started in like the twenties, and so it's it's a very but it, like the last comics were posted in the or were published in the like the seventies, so it spans a pretty good chunk of time. So if you look at like really early Tintin, it's like oh this is like from the twenties, and it has all of the racism that is implied in that. I so. have to, I have to wonder, considering the fact it was Belgium and during that time, during the nineteen forties, like what happened during that period? That's good. I was actually going to say, like, how how do we broach this? But um, so, as, as some of you know, there was a little thing called World War Two. Yeah, uh, and yeah, it was it was not very cool. And uh, what, what happened? And what happened was the like the, the, the I like the Tim out. <laughs> I don't think so, Tim. Um, the uh, since the Belgian was occupied by Tim. The, Tim? I said yeah, Tim Tim. Tim. <laughs> if if it helps. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Quality. That's good. It's good. Moving um, on. So Hersh improvement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the um, his the, the, since Belgium was occupied during World War Two, uh, his like the Belgian like puppet you know Nazi affiliated puppet government uh, would let let the, kept the newspaper in circulation, but it's like a pro fascist paper, obviously. Mm-hmm. So. Oddly enough, the one group that Tintin would be fighting nonstop are the Nazis, who did not appear in this. Because when the Nazis were around, they were like, "No, no, you can't like have Tintin like fighting the Nazis in this comic." Mm-hmm. So, like the episodes that take place during World War II, he's just like off in other places. Just like there's no mention of World War II, so it's this very odd blind spot. But like, I, I understand why. And Hergé himself was like unfairly swept up in the post, like de-Nazification of Europe. Like, he was labeled as a collaborator because he worked for a newspaper that was, like, that was a like, right. collaboration newspaper. So he got, like, blacklisted temporarily. But I think most people, like, I, he's, he was just, like, publishing comics. And it's like, so you, you can publish his comics and not have about Nazis or we can, like, kill you. And well, so I mean, like... like it, I'll, I'll, I'll just have Tintin be in Scotland for a while. Yeah, I mean, like... At least from what it sounds like, he didn't have anything where it's like, oh, hello, Mustafa's, let's go off and go kill some people. Uh, yeah. Well, it depends on which episode you look at. Oh, man. The first, <laughs> so the first episode is like 1922 and it's called Tintin, the Land of the Soviets, which is a, which is a very old, tiny way of putting it. And it's all about how like he goes to the Soviet Union. And this is like not like it's the Soviet Union as, as a communist state has only existed for a small amount of time at this point. And he goes there and it's like all the communists are trying to like hide the fact that their economy is destabilizing and terrible and so he like he finds like a factory that's just like an empty shell and there's guys like burning hay so it looks like there's smoke coming out of the smokestacks and uh 
and he gets some adventures, and then there's the episode that is like doesn't really doesn't kind of doesn't exist. It's, it doesn't is only been put in English in the last couple of years, and it's the one where he goes to the Belgian Congo, and he has this like amazingly white man's burden adventure. Where if you found if you found out anything about the Belgian Congo is, was a bad place it, to be. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's we yeah. It's, there was kind of a lot of murder. There was a lot. Yeah, like uh, if yeah, the the Belgians were like being awful to the native people before. Yeah, it was they were cool. absolute. They were brutal. amazing. Brutal. brutal. Yes, brutal. if you've ever read the Heart of Darkness, like yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, it's it's it, yeah so. And this is something that kind of comes up much like uh, I think whenever anyone talks about H.P. Lovecraft now, it's like there's a there's a discussion about like how racist was he? The answer is very. Um, but <laughs> the the black man. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about it. He, he comes back. Um, so no, no, like basically he he says later, you know, and and it's interesting because he he had wrote letters and there's all this correspondence with them. So he, we kind of follow his progression throughout his career. And it was basically he just said that he's like, I didn't like I didn't mean it. Like I was kind of just following. He's a comic writer, so he follows certain like societal tropes. And he was just like, I, this this was what Belgians thought the world like. They thought the, the Congo was just this like, oh, it's look at these people down here, and like, and yeah, whether or not whether or not that's an excuse, that's another debate. But he did say basically that like that he was just reflecting the kind of cultural views of things at the time, like, whether right. or not, yeah. It's kind of like, you know, the medium itself is a way of being able to present reality as it is in that time rather than trying to actively transform it or change it. And whether you can pose an argument as to whether that in itself is complicity and and continue to provide those um, completely unrealistic, um, degradating types of uh, stereotypes of a people. But at the same time, it's just... You know that that ends up being what 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 uh what a lot of people what a lot of people kind of do because they're in that industry and if you try yeah. to do something that's that's radical it's it well it's radical difficult. and then just like we we kind of think of it, it's like there there's no internet or anything and it, yeah the Belgians certainly aren't just like hey look at the genocide we're committing in the Congo look at these pictures it's crazy isn't it yeah so they don't like that's there's 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 I think there's some you know nuance to this and oh absolutely and her and Herge himself like very much I think re- started realizing this progressively and there's correspondence so one of the one of the very next episodes is uh, is uh, Tintin and when he's in China it's called uh, it's uh, in the Blue Lotus and that's one in which he was already fairly popular at the time and a like chi- a, a like Jesuit priest in China sent him a letter and was like I I heard you said like I read that you were gonna do an adventure set in China and he was like. And he's working, and this is when China is like is now occupied by Japan, and there's some like also not good stuff going on there. Oh yeah, oh um, god, yeah. So the the, the priest kind of talked to him and said, you know, like I really I'm a really big fan of your work, and like the kids here love your comics. And he says, and I heard that you were doing one in China, and like I would like to help so that you can give an accurate portrayal. And Hershey was like, okay, cool. And so like Blue Lotus is interesting in that it's a very sympathetic uh, and and. A, a portrayal of the Chinese at that time, in which when we thought like China is like Europe's punching bag at this point, and so it's odd. Other than the Japanese in that are like very comical, like they look like straight out of World War II propaganda. So you know he had he, he had some he had some growth, but it was interesting early in that it was it was one of the few like European very positive portrayals of the Chinese. Whether or not it is somewhat very stereotypical, but he does take some funny shots. There's the the, the Thompson and the, the Thompsons show up in China to follow Tintin and they're like, okay, we have to disguise ourselves. And there's a great shot of them like they're both walking and they're wearing like comical Chinese Mandarin outfits and everyone in the streets are like pointing and laughing at them. So this they take some shots like this. So it's, it's it, there's an interesting development. But it's also you know, there's the, the European thing. So uh, when you see black people in the Tintin comics up until a very large way into it, they are like Straight up, like kind of black sambo characters. Yeah, black Zvarta, with the white with like white Zvarta, lips. And, yeah, if you're Dutch, yeah. the kind of Zvarta Pete thing. And like, again, like they not also, cool, but yeah, there's there 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 is a precedent to why he did that. It's, he wasn't just like or what's that European tradition that they have along with Santa Claus with uh, I'm trying, Dutch. Uh, it might be Dutch or something. Santa Claus and the twelve and the six to eight black men. <laughs> Well, no, there's there's it's some there's there's something David where they Sedaris. have where it's like the opposite, where it's like if you're the good if you're oh, the good Krampus, kid, oh Krampus, Krampus yes. yeah, Krampus. Well, that's not so much racist; it's just like let's just terrify our children. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's also like they they've discussed that a little bit, where it's like this dark creature that you know 
I think he's just like yeah. a devil, though. Yeah, and no, I mean, in in the case of more of like the the portrayal of uh, of black people, there it's it's more of like portraying the other because they're not a part yes. of the society, and there's also the the colonial legacy there that plays into that, you know, and uh, yeah. alter and subaltern portrayal. And it's it's so I think Herzé is an interesting study, and it's why like I I think it's one of the reasons why I think Tintin is really interesting. It's kind of a tangent there, but Tintin is I think cool because. At, at its heart, it's a very kind of you know Mary Suey. It's very Sherlock Holmes. It's it's ridiculous. And it's like him going on adventures. He is the Ubermensch in all senses of the word. He, mm-hmm. he is able to just he, produce he a, a book s- that gets him to all levels of power. He has yeah. a skill set which is insane. Uh, over the course of the series, he you know drives cars real well, flies multiple different kinds of planes, drives multiple tanks, goes to the moon. Like, any number of things he, he can fight, he can shoot. He is, like, 20 years old, and he's like, gee, like, you know, gee golly, mister. He's just this fresh-faced youngster, and he will shoot you in the face. And it's very, like, it's very off-putting for an American audience. So, you said you had all the books with you, which oh, yeah. is, like, what, 10, 12 books? Uh, I don't, there's, um, I think there's, like, 22 episodes, like, like comics. Okay. Um, there's, a, there's a fair number. And they, it's him, and it's interesting because he deals with these various issues and like goes to all these places all over the world. Okay. So for, I mean, for this episode, I like, I had an interesting. I'm like, oh, you know, these are also kind of long. Like the enemies are these are like 45 minute episodes. Yeah, they're 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 big. Yeah. So I, so we we here at Saturday Friends Club, Friends uh, Friends Club, uh, we have somewhat of a time limit just because you know we have to watch several episodes of, of and watch movies. So I I nerd like okay, I'm gonna pick two. And people who know Tintin, like, there are a couple of very obvious, like, arcs I could have picked. And it was The Seeker of the Unicorn, Red Rackham's Treasure, or, you know, Tintin and the Moon, the two episodes of that. There's a couple more like that. And so I I was trying to get a good cover. The only one I was instantly like, oh, we're going to do is the King Autocar's Scepter. That's my favorite for some reason. I mean, it's it's a fun one, but it's it's also a weird one. Like, this is an episode that would fly over any American audience's head because it's like, Balkan politics in like in Tintin helping with that like who, no one knows no one in America knows what the Balkans are. Yeah, that that was that was an interesting one. I've got I still have questions on. Oh yeah, part we, of we that, get into it. Yeah, and then I also picked Red Sea Sharks because that I, that one felt like a very typical Tintin adventure. Uh, it's it, as an episode, it's fine. Uh, it's that's also the one that I, I always think of as Tintin's just like moment of glory in which he just he grabs an automatic weapon and shoots at a mosquito. <laughs> Just because he is a badass, he's like way more badass than anything else. Everybody else, like, oh no, so, just I'm gonna grab this gun, just, just fuck it. it. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, as I said, I, I, I acknowledge it's ridiculous, over the top. This is like, this is like you know, early twentieth 20th, 20th century like boys' adventure. Just like you know, gonna go out there and solve this mystery, Snowy, and it might involve like shooting like a dozen people. So does almost every single adventure of his just because just start by him? eavesdropping on people something it's always something like ridiculously coincidental i think i did pick that i also like i also realized in retrospect oh red sea sharks has a couple like you meet a bunch of characters all from previous episodes like it's general alcazar and you know it's it's prince abdullah and it's like oh he's oh, sorry he's, well yeah the one the one of the two that we saw was the opera singer that seemed like she was the constant castifiori i forgot how you say it yes she's like a character oh no she appears first in king autocar's scepter and she's a reoccurring character, and like also that's another Chris, one of the, one of the very few female characters in this in this uh, series. It's very male dominated. Yes, and she's incredibly annoying. She's like this this like op- opera diva who's constantly fainting, and she does get like an episode that's somewhat centric around her later, which is an amusing one. Um, that's like his like anti mystery episode, but uh, yeah. So I picked these two as I felt like Red Sea Sharks has the kind of pace and just like the crazy locations and all this stuff. That is in a lot of Tintin stories and King Autocar Scepter, which is my favorite. I think also artistically, that's my favorite one. Okay, so how you want to how you want to start with? Ah, uh, ooh, it's good. One. We can start with like we can start with Red Sea Sharks, I guess. Okay, so we have uh, all of a sudden we're starting <laughs> off at uh, what's the captain's mansion? What's his name again? Captain Haddock. Captain Haddock and his mansion of Modern Spike, which he like just gets in Secret of the Unicorn. Okay, uh, and suddenly all he has the Sultan's kid here. Yes, and that's the other thing I, I will point out. Like, I'm also I actually know these more from the comics, so like I, I, I'm trying to remember. Like, okay, now the show it's out of order. Although the the show is fairly faithful to the comics, it's actually pretty good. But no, yeah. it seemed good. 
Yeah, so no, they're, they, they, he's, his, Captain Haddock is his friend who's like this comical sea captain, and he has a big estate, and this and this young like Arab prince shows up with his retinue, like you know, this 12-year-old kid who's a total pain in the ass, and he's a character from a previous episode, and their friend, the Sultan of, uh, I forget what the country is, it's all fake countries, too. I can pull it up, let's see. Well, either way, they, like, so they're, the, 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 the Sultan or Emir of, of, uh, of Kamir, I guess? Of a fake, like, you know, Arabic country in which a character that they have previously met sends his son to, like, live there because there's been a coup. And it's and the bad guy in this one is also a character from previous episodes. He's, like, an ongoing villain. Yeah, he he did seem like he was pretty, like, Rest pretty constant. Uh, let's see. Uh, continuing from the previous volume of the series, The Calculus Affair. <laughs> That's a weird one. <laughs> it sounds like it having an affair with a math term. Oh no! I mean, Professor Calculus is the like the the kind of absent-minded professor in the green outfit. Oh okay. Oh, okay. That the Calculus affair is one where he like he's keeps like they're like a you know people are trying to kidnap him because he has some secret formula hmm. that ends with Tintin like wrecking people's shit with a tank. Let's see. Is created with the aid of Hare's team of artists. Uh, let's see. Story dealt with the ongoing trade of enslaved Africans across the Arab world. However, in the 1960s, the story would generate controversy uh, as <laughs> Hare's was repeatedly accused of having portrayed the Africans in a racist manner. Oh, uh, well, yeah. He was upset with these claims and made alterations to the depiction of Africans in later reprints. Uh, continued the adventures of Tintin with Tintin in Tibet, and the series of a whole became a defining part. Da, da, da. Uh, so let's see. Well, so anyway, so the, I mean, the plot is essentially that they Tintin discovers a plot that his friend the the Emir has been ousted in a coup, and that like, the they, Emir of Ahmed. <laughs> yeah, the, every name is something kind of punny, but um, and it was used using like surplus World War Two British mosquitoes that were bought from an arms dealer, and he follows the trail and, and back to their longtime, their like ongoing nemesis Rastapopoulos, who's like a general evil, like evil dude with a lot of money who goes around doing evil stuff. Um, like all evil dudes, yeah, evil I mean, dudes with lots of money. He's kind of he is kind of a dick. He has a submarine and a boat. Now you could decide to be Bill Gates, or you could just decide to be evil. It's kind of how it goes. Yeah. So. Um, and so this is an interesting episode. That they, it, this is a very Tintin adventure that they're, they're following these kind of leads, and they they go all over the place. And there's a, a villain that's like, I, "We have to stop this Tintin." And uh, so several episodes like that. But, yeah, where where it's just like they get stranded, and then they're on a boat, and yes. then they have a boat. So, and then... Some of it is also it's somewhat jarring because these were originally serialized. So like you'd get like a little bit of that arc, and then you wait like another couple months, and the next issue would come out. So all at once, it's very like whoa, okay, whoa, 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 like hold on. They, they do it does jump a lot of places. You're like, all it right, moves at a very fast clip. Yeah, yeah. So um, that episode is I read Sea Shark said it's all about him following the lead of this like these international arms dealers uh, to to support a coup of his, against his friend who is a like questionably good guy. I don't think the Emir is necessarily on the up and up, but no, 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 probably not. And his son is annoying and is like this this like hellion who plays pranks on everyone. And puts like gunpowder in Haddock's pipe so it explodes when he lights it. But um, that's a fun, that's a fun just because I, I think this is really illustrates Tintin as this European creation because like no American show would have this many guns in it. Now, if I remember correctly from some of the stuff I've seen, Haddock is a pretty hard drunk, right? Yes, that's he's also a running character of like he's constantly drinking and he, he gets drunk and then it's like it kind of comes into the story about so that right? that was what i was wondering when they were doing the scene where it's like he sets down the bottle but the bottle then breaks it's like ha 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 you can't even have it yeah uh so in the comic he's getting like wasted constantly hmm. yeah but they did, they did have to edit that for international audiences yes right? <laughs> so it's it's interesting there's some stuff you can get away with and can't get away with right up to an include you know terrible african stereotypes so like the comics I have, I have like the colored English versions, and so there was an updated. So they're not quite they're they're not quite as bad. But so like the original French prints in black and white, like black skin, bright white lips. It's like mm, <laughs> not good. So so the Red Sea Sharks is it's called that because they eventually get uh, they get they're on a boat, they get shot, they, they which gets sunk. They have to be on a raft, and they get picked up by Rastapopoulos's boat. There's a con- there's a like big brouhaha at the end with a submarine and airplanes and yeah. A lot, I also like this because there's a lot of like a lot of vehicles, a lot of airplanes. There's a lot of movement. Yeah, yep. a lot of that. A lot of machines. But it's a very typical Tintin adventure in that they deal with the villains. He's following clues. 
um, and he's solving the mystery. They and he kinda, Mary sues himself across oh, the world. Yes, he um, he like also. I think after about episode two or three, they basically just like don't even mention the fact that he's a reporter. No, I had no clue what he no, did. He's just he like just, he's just a fucking badass. <laughs> he just he just wanders around and just hears stuff and goes like. Huh, that seems like the um was it this no 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 it was the the second one where it's just like he's just overhearing stuff and it seems like the that bad sounds guy like a, that sounds fishy I'm going to investigate. Well, and that and he's just like the bad guys are just like we don't know about this tin tin. He's like, "Oh, I just heard that through the door. That's kind of weird. Let me check out that." It just is like if they didn't say shit, he wouldn't have done anything. Yes. And yes. it's just this escalating like path of like stop giving him reasons to look. Yes. <laughs> So, yeah, so it's, it has that contrivance to it, but you know, some way to get him into the story. It would seem like it'd make more sense if he was just investigating, but, you know. If he worked for the FBI and had a lead that he was already pursuing, right? Something like that. There is. <laughs> oh, the oh fir- he's an FBI informant now? Awesome. The first episode that actually, that's not Land of the Soviets and not, like, the racist one in the Congo is Tintin in America. Which is very funny because it's like Tintin in America. Imagine like this level of cartoonish like representation, but of America in like the late twenties. So it's like so he's just like running into Al Capone, and then there's like flapper skirts. Yes, and there's like Native Americans, but they're just got the big headdresses, and they're gonna kill him with the top. Yes, it's not good. (laughs) They really had they really had to do some creative editing because that's one of the ones that's animated. Right. That one has been created, but it's just like this. Car- it's funny as Americans, like, oh wow, this is awesome. So Europeans are like, yeah, there's just like Native Americans and mobsters like running around. It's crazy. This is what there's like, there's is only like. two. There's only this two parts America of America. Is like. There's the um, there's the Comanche Reservation and there's Chicago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, and if we know anything from, uh, you know, uh, Biker Mice from Mars, Chicago is currently broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, so that's that's interesting, like, because that's, that, that's kind of how a lot of his adventures start, like you're saying. The second episode is King Autocar's Scepter, and that's the, like you're saying, he just happens to overhear some bad dudes do- talking about their murderous plans. And I enjoyed this because it almost felt like a little bit more, like, it, it's almost odd to say... These feel like that they're animated for kids, but at some points it's like the intricacies are enough for adults. Yes. Like, that, like there are enough intricacies of like, okay, well, there's a scepter and it's brought out for this particular thing and it's it's got to be brought out for this day so that way the king can continue the reign. But if it gets brought over this boundary for whatever reason, they're, they're planning this and here's this well, device that they made. Like it's very yes. weird and complex. It's very national treasury. Yeah. But it's also mm-hmm. like Hershey invented an entire country. Like uh, Sildavia is like this ongoing, like they're, they're in Sildavia a lot. And, like, in the, in the moon episode, he just gets called, like, you, you have to come to Soldavia. Like, we have a secret, like, moon program. Like, what? <laughs> this tiny Balkan country, and they get to the moon in, like, 1954. Jeez. No, you the thing, because they're part of the Soviet, the, the, the not-Soviet Union in this world, they have access to all of the, uh... Yes, there's, there's, all like... the infrastructure for the moon program that the, uh, Soviets had. Yeah, like, the Soldavia is, like, this, is this, I, I guess, Western-allied Balkan country... But then also they are like their their rivals are is Borduria, you know, that's the border state, and they're wow. they're clearly like some sort of like Nazi commie like amalgamation of just like they're like the bad guys. Yeah. Oh, okay. Their what? symbol is a their symbol is like a black mustache on a red circle. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, my. oh that's great. It's that so is good. so subtle. <laughs> so subtle, and I like the, yeah, and they're like. And it's like the mustache of Kruvitach. And that's like, they say, like, by the whiskers of Kruvitach. Oh, jeez. So good. So so that explains in that that there was there was the rundown and the fact that the scepter couldn't cross the border. Yes. Like, so I don't know I, why that would make a difference. But I yeah. know that was what I was going. Like I the moment it crosses he, the border, who, who, he's like, if I, I I have to have the will of the people. Like I'm sure if you explain, like, hey, like Borduria like sent spies to steal this, but we got it back. It may have like gone in the, over the border, but you know we're all cool. Oh, it doesn't count anymore. Uh, the people are like, no, oh, no, we're gonna vote out you, king. <laughs> Uh, but it's interesting, like, Hershey put, like, he's famous for putting an enormous amount of effort into his research. He spent, like, he would spend, like, years researching each of these, and he would collect, like, thousands of newspaper clippings and magazine clippings and pictures. So, like, he would use those as references. So, like, a lot of the panels and stuff, he's taken meticulous notes and references to get these drawings. 
And um, I forget what it is called, but it's like it's French for clear line. His style, the, the comics, and they try to replicate it in the show to an extent that they can. But it's like very, everything's in focus and like nice crisp lines and like lots of nice perspective and very realistic portrayal of the backgrounds. And the characters are a little more cartoony, but um, so the comics look really nice and they try to replicate a little bit in the show, as I said. Um, but he went through the effort of making Sildavia and it's like, yeah, this is for kids. And they're like, okay, kids. So like, I, I don't like, I'm sure most kids thought like, is this a real country? It's like, <laughs> yes. It's like, no, it's actually like an ingenious parody of a bunch of other existing countries that you haven't heard of. But that's the thing, right? I mean, that's, that's what makes that, 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 that level of effort and detention yes. so, so endearing is that it's taking that, 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 that effort to do the research, right. to put it together, to be able to make this realistic representation or parody of a country, and then still have these underlying currents of, 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 um, um, of realism play into it. Right. And it's just funny for something, for something that's clearly for like, you know, young, young boys and whatnot. It's like, this is like a comic about geopolitics. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it is. It yeah. really is. Tintin speaks to so many geopolitical elements of the time, especially throughout the close to the Cold War. Yeah, and it's interesting. I, I do like the scene. Like he's he. So, oh, okay. Autocar Scepter is like he overhears some bad guys talking, basically, and she's like, "I better investigate because like I'm a fucking badass." And uh, he gets drawn into a plot, basically, to overthrow the king of Sildavia. Yeah, and it. Um, and it's funny because he has to travel to Soldavia and he opens like the pamphlet of like, you know, here, visit Soldavia. And like Hergé is fully illustrated and like the next couple pages of the comic are just everything in that pamphlet. And it's all the history and art and like, here's the king and here's like this. And it's, it's yeah. very detailed. And you could take that out of any sort of regime change narrative that came out of the right. Cold War from either the U.S. or the Soviet Union at the time. Yeah. And so he's, he's in Soldavia because there is a group is being backed by, you know, the evil Bordurians uh, from across the border uh, to overthrow the king um, I, and for, you know, general evil purposes. And it's because the king, for his, for his coronation, has to be holding Autocar, like King Autocar, the first scepter. And it's like a, the, the Sildavian symbol is a pelican, so it's like a, a golden pelican wand or, a, like, scepter. And so they've stole, like, they steal it and Tintin has to recover it. And there's kind of a cool mystery as to how it got stolen and then he has to stop them from getting the, the the scepter over the border. And it's what happens in this is so like ridiculously crazy of him, like him have I, I'm I'm even flaking on some of the <laughs> uh, some of the details because there's a car trip with the book to get him to the castle, and he gets to the castle and gets captured by bad guys, so he gets taken in a car, and a car crashes and drops him off, and then somehow at some point... He also falls out of an airplane. Yeah, well, yeah, he gets shot out of the airplane. No, there's two... No, he falls out of one airplane. At the end of the... He, like, he has to get back to Soldavia, and he sees, like, oh, there's a Bordurian airbase. I'll just steal a plane because I'm a yeah. fucking badass. Well, but then they shoot down that <laughs> yes. plane. Well, I, I also like to point out that he is flying a surplus, like, World War II, like, 109... It's like Borduria is using a bunch of like old old like Nazi German fighters. So he steals a 109, flies it back like he's like a fucking badass because he knows gets, how to fly. Gets it. Shot right. down and parachutes, and it's like this guy is just doing everything. I love it. Yeah, I just, love his like the, 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 he will fight with reckless abandon. <laughs> he just I've got to do this. It's just who I am. Yeah, the body count in Tintin is generally very high. Um, so. Except they shoot down that plane over the water in the uh, in the the Red Sea, but they still save the guy. Right. Like I may just like mow your plane down with an assault rifle because I'm a badass, but we'll save you. This guy. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so he, he, there's a series of events in which he has to try to warn the king, but then like the 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 the, 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 the plotters are trying to stop him, and the king is sympathetic, and there's car chases and airplane chases, and it's all very cool and animated and. There's a there's a scene, there's a scene they cut out of the, there's not in the show but is in the comic where he's got the scepter and he like runs and realizes he's accidentally crossed the border, so I don't know how quite how that works but he's crossed the border and he like jumps in and it's like a Bordurian border post so he's being chased by like German shepherds and guys with guns and yeah all right so I've got a few questions to start <laughs> okay all right uh, first Mar- how Martin. old is he supposed to be hold on as can we uh, pause for a second because. I- Okay, three, two, one. All right, Eric, now I've got mm-hmm. two questions for you. Only. 
Oh, only two. Oh, shoot. Now I've got to make them good. All right. First off, how old is Tintin supposed to be? Because um, he looks like a child in a man suit. <laughs> a men suit? Uh, I don't think he's ever said, maybe? he's. I think he's, like, early 20s. Okay. He is young. I know that, like, he's, like, they call him, like, the boy reporter. Okay. Makes the fan fiction a little okay. Does it? <laughs> Not really. Okay. I don't uh, think that anything can make the fan fiction okay. Uh, let's see. The second one is, uh, you had a good explanation for this, so I just want to cover it. The pants annoy me. Tintin's wardrobe does change over the course of it, but I think for the animated show, they're just like, we're just going to animate him in this one style. It's just the pants. Just just explain the pants. I don't know what you call those. Like dungarees or something. He's got like, he's got like newsy pants. I don't know. Like their their pants they're they're like they're wide and they kind of like billow out a little bit around the knees and then stop and then he's got like tall socks and like sh- and like uh, shoes, so I don't know what you call that, what you call those kind of pants, but I don't know why they disturb you so much. They're just like the fact that they're just these pants that are like big and billowy, like not parachute pants, but they're getting close to it. I think, this- and then they stop about like. Mid calf. I'm pretty sure they're and called culottes. Culottes. Okay, and so. and then it's like all socks all the way down until right. these tiny little slipper shoes. I mean, they wore. They were really popular in the 17th century. Well, those are those are those are like knickers. Those are those are a little bit different. Those like uh, t- those like attach at the knee, and they're usually like buttoned. Yeah, but they're similar. Well, like, so here, I, the expo- this is culottes. Sort of, but like it's he's he's not like dressing from another century. He's not, but that's the same style. I think it's something European. Okay, here um, it is: uh, brown shoes and ten fours. Ten fours. Ten. Fours. Well, I know what I'm getting. Yeah. So they are has always worn brown shoes and brown plus plus fours. Plus fours. Whatever plus fours. They're are. also called knee breeches. Knee breeches. Oh, okay. Well, he's got those, and they're pretty sweet. Okay. He's a badass. This is what he fights like everyone in. Yeah, plus fours. How to? What an odd. That's what you like, hey Josh. That's why you have. That's why you don't get to drive a tank. <laughs> I know. I'm not wearing plus fours. Or just like you fly a 109. You know what? I'm sure that that's like if I were wearing those, I would be just straight in line for every San Francisco hipster out exactly. there. Exactly. You know, he would goes be, to flat they, cap plus four. He goes to the moon. He does. They would be buying you gin and tonics every five seconds. That, they would be oh, buying okay. me IPAs every Pl- five seconds. Plus fours or breeches or trousers that extend four inches below the knee and thus four inches longer than traditional knickerbockers, hence the name plus four. So, oh, okay. Uh, Fascinating. Apparently, one of the traditional things they wore them for is was like during golf, like for old school golf, it looks like. Ah, boy, isn't it great that the ladies aren't here? Yeah, here you <laughs> go. Here's a picture yeah, of... Yeah, finally uh, something for us dudes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, so us there. dudes don't guy, have... A- that guy is killing it. Look at that. Uh-huh, man. That guy is ready to punch some Nazis. <laughs> I'm sure he's already punched some Nazis in his day. Yeah. I mean, that is the the original acronym for golf. Gentlemen only, ladies forbidden. <laughs> I mean, like, men didn't have enough, you know, freedom back then. I mean, why do, why do you think that Trump the, spends a disproportionate amount of time in Mar-a-Lago? No, I mean... <laughs> golfing. I hope... You know, it's only bad when, can, when Obama golfs, we get, but... could, could we get Tintin to hit him with a tank? <laughs> Please. Hit him with the T thirty four, right? <laughs> the, um, so yeah, like, so Tintin kind of. I think in the animated show, he basically is the, the same, and I think that's just a, a thing for animation, like shortcuts. Mm-hmm. He does. He, 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 his outfit mixes up somewhat over the course of the show, and like I was showing you in like the last official comic, he's wearing like he's like straight up like Steve McQueen. Well, you're talking about the last one of, like, he's doing some sort of thing as, like, oh, he's having LSD experiments. Yes, there's an episode, some of you even who have heard of Tintin might not have heard of this, but there was an episode that Hergé was working on at when he died, and it's called Tintin and the Elf Art, and it was going to be the last one, so it's, like, 40% finished, or not even that, it's, like, it, you, could, you can get it, and it's been reconstructed out of his notes in, like, basically, like, storyboard form, um, and it's when shit gets weird. So it's, it's like I think it, I think he intended it also to be the last Tintin, but he just died before he could finish it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's like Tintin delves into the world of like modern art and modernism in like the seventies. 
So, like, it's very strange. I think there was some subplot where, like, Haddock stops drinking whiskey and starts smoking, like, hashish. <laughs> and it's, it's very weird. And, like, Whoa. he the plot revolves on he falls. I, I forget. He sits there and plays a sitar. Like, it's very, like, it's like, the, like Tintin somehow falls in with this guy who's, like, a mystic healer and this, like, modern art dealer. And it turns out he may have some nefarious intentions. And, he like, there's going to be this big thing, like, a willy-won't-he encase Tintin in plastic. Like, and make him into this plastic statue that no one knows is Tintin's trapped inside. Ooh. And there's going to be this, like, cliffhanger, and then they think they're going to resolve the end of the episode. But it was a weird, it was, it was a weird one. But wow. um, they ne- it wasn't animated, obviously. Uh, let's see. Um, Sabrina. <laughs> hey, sweet pea. Yes. Hey, how'd you feel about Tintin? It was interesting. It's definitely not like other cartoons I've watched. I mean... I remember watching Tintin when I was younger, um, yeah. but I forgot how long it was. I I saw this, I completely forget how I saw this, but it was on TV, and I also remember being like, oh, this show's cool, because they're just like, airplanes and tanks and Tintin is just like shooting people, and then it's like, I went to my I went to my local library, and they had all of them, and I was like, there's Tintin comics, like, oh, sweet, and I was reading those, um, and so those were always cool, like, I, I even as a kid, like, I just love looking at the art because, the, as I said, the comics are like fantastic looking. They're very pretty. What like uh, what channel did this come on? I completely don't remember. It wasn't. It, maybe Nickelodeon ran it at some point. Nickelodeon back in the day. Mm. Back in the day, because this is like I mean, this was an American production, I think. But I don't think they. I, it's it's strange. I don't. I don't remember. Okay, so one thing we do need to cover while I'm looking at this. Uh, we do need to talk about the movie slightly. Uh, so okay. you you give you obviously give a to the movie. I so. give a frustrated grunt to the movie. Okay, it's just like the the movie suffered from the same problem. Uh, it, it it you know when the Tintin movie should have been a warning sign for Crystal Skull because it's another it was another like Spielberg's it's it's like new Spielberg. It's where it's like we need to go. He's very clearly recently gone like. 100% callously business-like family. Everything has to be so family-friendly that it won't offend anyone or it won't possibly... We, we can we can market it to everyone. It's like why Crystal Skull is like has like no violence in it or very little. HBO. And, yeah, it was, it was HBO. H- oh, interesting. interesting. No, no, no. Okay. But anyway, so I was just ranting about that just because they, they took the movie and they tried to make it like, oh, we'll make it like this big like family bonanza. And so it felt like... It looks kind of like... Uh, cloudy with a chance of meatballs, but it's got the kind of uncanny valley um, motion track, like 3D characters. It's not too bad, but it's like they combined the entire Secret of the Unicorn, Red Rackham's treasure arc, and they also threw in stories from other Tintin stories. And it's just like, it, it was cool, but they just like, we want to do everything in this movie, and they have like a giant, like a gigantic Rube Goldberg like chase scene, which are like, those happened in Tintin, but like, it's like a ten minutes of this movie. Wow, it's like, God, st- uh, that's tiresome. And like they invented this bad guy for this movie, and so it was an adaptation of Tintin. And I think it works on some levels; it doesn't work on other levels. Um, but is it Tintin? It's very much like a half-remembered someone's take on Tintin. It 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 loses some of the like the kind of weird European charm of the comics and the animated series. Because the animated series that we're talking about here is pretty close to the comics. Like, they obviously cut for time and to get everything kind of fit together. But, like, the plots are the same. Whereas the movie is just, like, we've loosely adapted a couple of the comics and kind of, like, jammed in elements from other ones. Mm-hmm. So, gotcha. So, uh, I wasn't a huge fan of the movie. I watched it and I was like, eh, okay. But I'm not... I, I don't know if they're ever planning on making any more of them, but I'm I'm not interested really in seeing them. Right. Maybe if I could steal them. <laughs> Torrents yeah. on the Pirate Bay. Which we would never do. Here don't, on, don't, yeah, no, never. No, no, we would not condemn. We get everything. I, I will from... do it the old fashioned way and I'll just rob like an old lady on the street. Yeah. Organic yeah. sources everywhere. He took my DVDs. Shut up, you old bag. <laughs> it's how Tintin would have wanted it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, let's see. Anything else? Any other uh, last statements on Tintin? No, it's awesome. Uh, read the comics. You won't, you'll, it won't, you'll, they're interesting. They are if you're if you're a graphic novel comic book person, they are quite different, I think, than what, unless unless you read a lot of vintage comics, um, and they are very pretty. And the animated show is quite good. I I like it. I like the BF one hundred and nine. 
I, I would expect no less from from Verhobu Rommel over here. <laughs> I like Snowy. He is funny. We he yes, t- we did talk about in the comics. Snowy. Like he has an internal monologue. Like he doesn't talk, but he has like thought bubbles, and he's like, "Oh, that's awesome!" He's like, no, Tintin, we'll do this. And he's like, but then he like sees a bone, and he's like, "Ooh, yeah, and he steal the bone." I noticed that. <laughs> yeah, he's he's like more of a character in the comics, but yeah, he Snowy also just fucking takes up bad guys because he's a tiny white dog. And he, but he's capable of like biting a guy's like ankle and just like taking him down, and so Tintin can like grab the scepter and it's like Snowy is also like doing work. So yeah, Snowy's a badass. He is like him and his like twenty something like owner who are just like solving the world's problems on their own. Right. And then Hergay is gone, and now we're in this current. Quite sad. This, this if current. only I could punch Donald Trump in the face. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Tintin, uh, the new, Tintin in America Part Two. Yeah, <laughs> things have gone horribly wrong. It, 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 oddly enough, it's just like the same thing. It's just like mobsters everywhere. Well, there's you know, certainly Native no shortage American. of the racism, but you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, all right. Uh, well, I guess that had been uh, Tintin. Yes, the, uh, I certainly recommend it. It's it's. I will say it's interesting. It's a it's a different flavor of animation right. than than I'm definitely used to. I, I, I Same can, here. Yeah, I would say like I'd recommend the show. I like unequivocally recommend the comics. So definitely check it out. I'm su- I'm surprised. This almost seems like something I would imagine. I I would have more expected to see this on like PBS. It's got, it kind of feels like a PBS it has, thing. It has kind of like something where I would imagine the reruns on PBS would be all right. But it's too. It's I think this is too weird and like weirdly violent for a PBS. I mean, it's it's violent, yeah. And there's no but, blood or no. anything. But it's but, like, there's it, a lot of there, guns. But, in but this. there's it's, enough like heady political like more, more like dealings in it inside of it that I think it doesn't really take sides so much other no. than like. Fascism is bad. That's kind of like a, a running theme. Yeah, which, I don't like fascists. I don't, I, and like you know, like, coloni- like, like early on, like early on, it's like colonialism is awesome, and then later it's like mm, colonialism is bad. And then so Hershey's a complicated character. Yeah. yeah, and he's he's responding to the changes in society. I will say this much: if you're interested in the comics, the, honestly, the easiest way to get, if unless you like love reading stuff online, is like every used bookstore I've been to has. I got a shitload of Tintin comics. So if you want to like go to your Lou's bookstore and you can get them for a couple bucks, they're awesome deals. So quality. Like, well, it's, quality. It's, Thanks a lot of, for yeah. A lot of places you really have to if you want to find something like like obscure kind of like this, you have to kind of do some digging. But like every used bookstore I've been to has Tintin. So that's crazy. Hit up your know. used bookstore. There's a, like, I think they printed a lot of it. So cool. Yeah. All right, that's Tintin. It is. All right, that's been episode... Great snake, Snowy. This episode's over. And I've had three glasses of wine since we started. I think I had like four. (laughs) I was was enjoying this conversation for a while, just going like, you know, I'm going to let Eric take care of this. I'm I'm going to let him him run his dumb mouth for a while, so I just kind of pass out. It's been a while since I've had like a drinky cast. I, I used to have those all the time. Nice yeah, margarita cast. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, boy. they're they're nice. I think you're I think you're making up stories again. Josh. Yeah, back back in past days. Yeah, there's been no podcast before this nah. one. Yeah. It's all right. Once we get to Demolition Man, we'll get a uh, a tequila cast I'm going. So excited for nice. <laughs> and fortunately, we're not doing it this week. But one of these days, we're going to do Demolition Man. Yep. And you will hear about St- uh, Stallone like had sex with his daughter. <laughs> Whoa! Uh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, buddy. That's the subplot of the movie. I know. I know it is. Like uh, it's just one of those things yeah, where it's if just you one did... of those things, you know, in the future, it's, it's okay. You know? <laughs> it was genetic. All right. Uh, all right. <laughs> so that has been the uh, Saturday Friends Club. We do have a Patreon. If you want to go over there, we had a terrible pre-show that you can go. <laughs> yeah, you hear. can pay, and they're like, "All right, well, I'm glad I paid for this." <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that you got 15 minutes of eating and real I would, awful discussion. I would value honestly, adding experience. I would honestly quality. I'm, I'm interested. Quality. We, we should. We can talk about like future like Patreon uh, possible. Oh yeah, rewards. I think I, I'm interested in seeing what what people would be interested in. Because I, I already I get, announced some some of the things. So any uh, we will be uh, eventually once we get some people over there, I will be setting all the podcasts onto a Patreon only feed. That feed will forever never have advertisements. Huh. So if we end up getting advertisements taken onto a thing, I will never be telling you about Stamps.com. I will never be telling you about Warby you know, Parker. Yeah, I, I will never be telling you 
about uh, Squarespace. my Squarespace. Casper mattress. I will never be telling you about any of those things. So if any of you are going to sponsor us in the future, we can edit this out. It's okay. Yes. Sleep yeah. train, a ticket to a better Oh, Sleep train got bought out. Their name's different now. What? Yes, it's something It's something totally weird that sounds like it was Google translated. Great. Oh, lovely. Sleeping trend. It's not, it has nothing to do with trains. It's something that's just like, oh, like, that just sounds like some run of the, like, you know, fly-by-night mattress company. Like, oh, no, that's sleep train now. Oh, that's sad. Oh, I'll probably hear it because the, the radio station I listened to in the morning was sponsored by Sleep Train, so... Mm. Yeah, so, so, so and Sabrina is our, our local, like, collection of jingles, so... Oh, then you're gonna love Demolition Man. <laughs> Just wait until we get uh, sponsored by Grocery Outlet Bargain Market. Oh, obviously, from our pre-show discussion, uh, where Grocery Outlet Bargain Market is the place to be, yeah, yeah. with their depressing jingle and... <laughs> Cheap wine. Cheap, cheap. $15 is not cheap, okay? You probably won't hate yourself afterwards, but it's okay if you do. <laughs> Grocery outlet, bargain market. All this cheese expired on Tuesday. <laughs> should, we t- should we tell people what we're doing next next week for them? Next week is Sabrina. Sabrina, what are we doing? Sabrina took Here one for the team. The Men in Black. black. Galaxy Defenders. So took one for the team by picking one that we all would have picked anyway. Because so. <laughs> it's friggin' awesome. It is. And a big good time. movie is so good. It is good Will times. Smith. It is Tommy Lee Jones. It is Will Smith yeah. and Tommy Lee Jones at like the top of their game. Yep. And funny enough, Will Smith didn't think that he was going to get the role. Wow. I, I think he, I, I know what you're talking about. There was some discussion about that. Like, And he got it in low. Yeah. Good thing they did. Well, all right, so let's go ahead and do this. You can go over to atsatfriends.club over on Twitter if you want to follow us with updates and everything that we're doing. Uh, I am over at Hey, I'm Josh Phoenix. Uh, Eric is going to probably be the official Twitter account or something like that. Uh, you have Martin over there. Where are you? At Rommel Pants, Tweet Kittens. Sabrina. At McBirdie Turdy. Yeah, she's on YouTube, too. Go subscribe to her. On the YouTube. Don't I, don't I, don't, don't do the I thing. We can get you subs. Go subs her. She's so McBurdy true. Games. I'm McBurdy a, things. Yes, I'm a dominatrix and I need yep. subs. <laughs> so, 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 so I, you, I, you know, the, if there was a... If uh, there was a oh, boy. Oh, shoot. Ooh, Domcast. If, if there was a Let's Play... Let's player that actually just straight up was just like, no, I'm a dominatrix. I'm sure you would get subscribers like crazy. No, I don't uh, want those kind of subscribers. Thank yeah. you. Oh, I love your show. Spank us. Take me to Monkey Island forever and ever. I like that. It's like, it's, it, yeah, but it's like you, like you blocking people. <laughs> I, I'll take you to Monkey Island. Mm. <laughs> I'll take you to my so, Monkey Island. Mm. Moving all right. Moving on. Dot org. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's been the Saturday Friends Club for this week. We will join you next week where we talk about defending the Earth from them aliens. Fucking aliens. Yep. Wow, Rommel. Wow. Defending All Xenos must be purged for the glory of the Emperor. Defending, defending the Earth from Tony Shalom. Ne- next week we'll talk about Scientology. Till then, uh, sleep well, everyone. Bye. Good night. Parge of the Xenos.